On today's episode, I spoke with Jimmy Daly about building a community from scratch. Jimmy is the founder of superpath.co, which is a community for content marketers based on Slack. It also has a job board and courses, among many other things. And we really were able to dive deep into how Jimmy has built this business from zero to where it is today. So let's get started with the interview. So to start off with, I, I do want to level set, get a little bit of background. So if you wouldn't mind just sharing what you're building with Superpath and maybe the, the reasons behind why you built that, what the business looks like in terms of you know metrics, business model, things like that. And then I'd love to dive into how you actually built that through marketing. Cool. That all sounds good. Do you want me to just go for it and exp- Yeah, Superpath is a community for content marketers. Um, I started the group. It lives in Slack, I should say that. So it's a Slack community. I started the group in spring of 2019 with no plans to do much of anything with it. Um, But it was really good. I really liked it. Other people liked it. It started growing very organically. And about a year later, quit my job to pursue working on Superpath full-time. So today it's a business, uh, just a community. We have several lines of business, each of which is born from community needs. So that's one of the things I really like about this style of business is that you can pretty much listen to what people are talking about and try to build products and services that meet needs they already have rather than building things and trying to build the audience after the fact. Um, So today we have a partner program, which is an obvious one for communities, right? Like you can run ads in our newsletter or podcast. Um, We also do sponsored content. We recently did a state of content report with a, with a partner of ours. Um, we have uh, two membership options. So for 20 bucks a month or 50 bucks a month, you can get access to more, more community stuff and then also additional resources like courses and one-on-ones and things like that. Uh, we run a job board and then we also run a marketplace. So we actually source talent from within our community and then match those folks with companies, mostly SaaS companies who need help with content marketing mostly writing some strategy, some audits and things like that too. So hope this is a good overview of the business today. Basically there's a community and then four different lines of business on top of it. When you were just starting Superpath, what were kind of the core, whether it's documents or exercises that you did that kind of solidified, this is the strategy that I'm starting with. Like how, how did you decide what you're gonna start with? Did you do any positioning exercise? Like how, how in depth was that initial starting phase? I would say it was embarrassingly not in depth. I mean, it was, it was so much of this happened by accident because the group was started as a side project. And I think I sent out invites to maybe a dozen friends in the content marketing industry. They joined, you know, we started talking there, word sort of got out by accident. And it was like that for about a year. So by the time that year had passed, uh, the group had grown to several hundred members. And I was starting to think about, um, food. like, how do we professionalize this? Like, what if I took this really seriously? And so none of that stuff started until the group had existed for a little while. Um, uh, I think the first big change that happened was that it had initially been focused so much on career growth. And while we still cover that, it, the topics have expanded significantly beyond that. Now it's like kind of anything a content marketer would care about is talked about in Superpath. And then that obviously comes out in the marketing stuff that we do as well. Um, that was one thing. Another thing is that we're small and bootstrapped, so we can't afford to do a lot of big, fancy marketing. And so much of our marketing in 2019 and still today in 2023 is user-generated. So we try to the best of our ability to 
um, kind of capture the activity and the conversations and the topics that are happening organically and use that as fuel for growth in ways that feel comfortable to everybody. Like part of the value of a community is that it's a safe, safe place to talk. So we don't ever expose anything that folks wouldn't want to expose. It's more like, like an example would be, we run a survey within the group and then we report back on that data. Or another example would be, we have a, an anonymous series that we call the 100K Club, content marketers who make six figure to fill out a form, basically like detailing their career and their salary history without their name attached to it. And that those are extremely popular. So these are just like ways that we kind of leverage the collective knowledge and experience of the group to help us grow and attract more members. Around the time where you found out that like, okay, this kind of works, the MVP's proven out, you're going to double down and take it more seriously. What, what did you do marketing wise then in terms of a plan? Like, did, did you put anything to paper or was it still kind of just go out and find people through? you know, social media, online posts, whatever. What, what was your game plan at that point? I think it was, there was probably still, the first year that I worked on this full time, um, I didn't have any like real tangible planned intact because I was still trying to figure out whether or not there was a business to be built here. So the group had existed, it was growing organically, but we had never made any money from it. And so my first test was, can we make money? And so we created the job board. That was the first thing we did. And I worked my personal network hard to start finding people who are hiring, seeing if they opposed, you know, working really hard to make sure people were applying and that kind of thing. Um, and that worked really well. One beautiful thing about communities uh, and extensions of communities like job boards is that they naturally attract people. So we've really never had problems attracting more people to the community or to our newsletter or to our podcast. Like that has always happened pretty organically. We've added about 500 people per month to the community for like three straight years. And we've never really done much to try to accelerate that because it, it, it's enough. You know, like I don't, adding a thousand people a month, like doesn't necessarily help the community itself because the more volume we put into it, kind of the more challenges we have in terms of moderation and keeping things organized and like making sure it all runs really smoothly. Uh, but two, it doesn't like necessarily translate into additional revenue either. Um, so uh, most of the marketing efforts have been, um, a little bit more B2B, right? So like all the product and services we've rolled out have been kind of, uh, kind of tilted towards B2B offerings. And so like we do, we do things like case studies. Uh, you know, I try to build lots of social proof, kind of like more like bottom of the funnel type stuff um, that I can use as part of a sales process rather than kind of more top of funnel stuff that we might use to attract more people. How do you think about retention then? If, if acquisition seems like it's kind of organically happening, you're doing enough there. What, how do you think about keeping people engaged in that community so that they continue having a good experience beyond just, you know, the first couple of weeks where maybe they're excited? What, like you one year in, what does that look like? Yeah, that's a great question. And one I spend a lot of time thinking about. Um, one thing we do is we try to create very sticky elements of the community. One example of that would be there's a channel in the Slack group called Freelance Gigs where people can go to hire and then uh, freelancers can go to pick up work. That has been incredibly sticky. That's one of the main reasons people join is whether they're looking to hire or looking for work. And one of the things that keeps people around because it's a, it's a pretty good source of new work. Uh, another thing we do that's very sticky is we, on a regular basis, run AMAs. So we'll bring in you know, a very experienced content marketer, make them available for questions for an hour. 
things like that we've found to be very sticky um, versus some things which I find personally to be more interesting that aren't sticky. Like we have a strategy channel where people ask really, really interesting questions about content strategy, like stuff you're just not going to be able to Google. I think it's the most interesting thing happening in Plaque, but it's not, it doesn't have like the same sticky quality as something like running events or, a, you know, a freelance gigs channel or things like that. In addition to that, we've also rolled out a, a paid Plaque membership. So the group only as of a few months ago was entirely free. It's now split into free and paid sections. The paid stuff has been quite a bit stickier uh, and we retain people. People tend to be much more active and we tend to retain them uh, on a much uh kind of in a much easier way because they're just more invested in it. And that was a key part of launching that paid membership is like getting people in who are saying like, hey, I want to participate in this and then, you know, creating a really great experience for them there. Yeah, well, one thing that I personally would love to hear more about is the very, very beginning, like day zero of the community. The One of the core problems that I hear and have experienced myself with communities is... You have to have people in there already kind of making it a vibrant community or or else if you start bringing in your first users, there's nothing yes. there, then why do they stick me? But then you have to have some first users there. And so uh, at some point, there's kind of like this paradox with community going on right there. I'm just curious how you approach that or if it just happened naturally, what happened? How did you navigate the first few users so that you could actually set up a community that was viable? Yeah, for sure. It's a great question. You know, I, I one thing I've noticed is that almost all good communities become victims of their own success. So we've been very careful about that. It's very easy for a community to get some initial traction only to kind of fall off because the moderators don't take it seriously enough and then everyone goes to the next one. So and I feel like that's sort of part of this question you're asking, which is like, how do you create a good experience, but then like actually keep it that way? Two things come to mind. In the very early days, I felt that density was very important. So like, while it might've been easy to spin up 10 or 15 different channels, we would have had like say we had 10 channels, we would have had eight inactive ones. And if you look in there, there's nothing. And maybe two where there's actually activity going on. We kept it at two or three channels for a very long time, even though it was starting to get a little messy and there was different topics and all kinds of like it, the structure of it was just completely uh, chaotic. But if there's only two to three channels and you have a decent amount of activity, every time a new user comes in, all they see is activity. They don't see crickets anywhere. Now, I felt like that was really important. And we've only expanded channels very slowly. The other thing is for probably two years, I personally sent a welcome message to every single person that joined. That was manual. I didn't automate that. And then I also responded to every single question, even if I didn't know the answer. And I would say something like, you know, I'm going to go try to find someone who can answer this question. And then I would go out and I would post it on LinkedIn or Twitter and I would try to get responses and I'd bring those back. And I feel like that feedback loop is really important because if someone posts a question and they don't get an answer, they're not going to post another one. But if they do, and then they have this nice experience, they're quite likely to post another one. And then other people see that they feel more comfortable posting because nobody wants to post something only to see no response. It's just like a really uncomfortable experience. So I feel like density and just a lot of kind of like manual work were really, really important to getting it off the ground. If, if you were suddenly gifted a pretty healthy marketing budget to do the things that maybe you're not doing right now because you're bootstrapped, mm. what do you, what do you think it, you would do in terms of a, a growth plan? If you just, let's not say you have unlimited money, but a healthy enough amount of money to kind of do some things that maybe you're not doing. Yeah, now. that's a great question. You know, I actually like, I, I <laughs> sometimes I'm like tempted to think about that and I, I don't even allow myself to, because <laughs> it's like, 
it's too frustrating. Uh, you know what? Honestly, what I would do is I would create so much more content than we already do. I think um, there is an opportunity to create, you know, I could imagine, I could dream up stuff that we could publish every day, maybe twice a day. Seriously, like in terms of like just quick updates, but also like longer form reports and guides and benchmarks and all kinds of stuff I would love to do more of. Um, I would do a lot of that. One, because it's a value add to the community, but like, like nothing would help us establish the brand more than just kind of building ourselves up as, as like a real authority in the space. Um, the other thing I would do is I would build out a suite of tools for content marketers to further their careers and help their works. Like one example of that, that I think we, we actually might do, but we're going to do in a very bootstrap way is build out a way for uh, content marketers to host portfolios on Superpath, much in the same way that Dribble does for designers. Um, I'm messing around with some no code ways to accomplish that, but I would love to just throw like a hundred K at a great developer and designer and let that make it happen. Um, let, let's say if, if you go back to the, again, to the kind of the beginning versus now of starting this, take me through your messaging and how that's changed. Like, how did you describe or sell the community day one? And how is that different? How has that evolved? over time to where you are now. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, it wasn't called Superpath. That was one important thing. The initial <laughs> name of the Slack community was the Content Marketing Career Growth Slack Group. Like really a mouthful. <laughs> yeah, but it did accurately describe like what was happening in the group. Like the original intent was like kind of senior-ish content folks talking about careers and salary and things like that. Um, I think we've stayed true to that ethos in many ways, but I felt it was important to establish like a proper brand. And now most of our messaging is around um, uh, the community being a safe, supportive, inclusive place for content marketers to learn and expand their networks. So a lot of our, a lot of what we do now is like, if you go on our, any landing page on our site, if you look at our social stuff, like that's what you're going to find, like a supportive, you know, encouraging, happy place to come be amongst your peers or, you know, rather than like, come talk about your salary, which is kind of like the first iteration of that. How do you think about competitive, the competitive landscape mm. or your competitive analysis done? Because there's obviously the filter of just looking at similar communities that you might be competing with. But then there's also like, are you competing with other job boards or kind of like secondary filters? What, what do you think? How, how do you think about your own competitive landscape right now? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, when I started this, there were no other Slack communities for content marketers. Now there's many and many versions of that, like you described. It's not just Slack groups. I think that we have a funding mechanism to keep all of this going. And I think that's very important. We, you know, we have like, just as an example, like our marketplace is our primary source of revenue. And that, that revenue helps us fund a great community. And then the community is the source of the talent that we pull to make the marketplace work. Without a funding mechanism, uh, and we do have a paid Slack membership. That's an option. For 20 bucks a month, you can join the Slack group. Uh, and that's great, but it's not enough. You know, like we have to have revenue coming in the door to keep the experience a good one and to continue growing it. So I feel like, I actually think that potentially our competitive advantage is essentially endurance. Like I think we can do this for a very long time. And I think that over the past four years or yeah, four and a half years that I've been working on this community, we've seen dozens and dozens of competitors in various ways like kind of come and go while we're still here because we have this way to fund the whole thing 
so that, I mean, that's kind of what I lean back on. There's other, there's other communities out there who are doing an amazing job, like Exit 5 comes to mind. Um, that's more than just content marketing, it's sort of more, more broad uh, marketing. But, um, you know, I think there's, there's also room for, for all of us to exist and thrive because we serve just slightly different needs too. Well, let's talk about the form factor there for a second. Cause like exit five, I, I think there's still a Facebook community. You're on Slack. Other communities are going to use something like circle or whatever else. What do you think is why, why Slack for you and why might that not work as well? If you were on circle, why, how do you feel about the form factor and if that makes much of a difference for a yeah, community? Uh, the form factor is, I think, if not the single most important thing, it's in the top two or three. I don't think we'd be where we are today if we were on Circle or Mighty Networked or another um, tool that's really purpose-built for communities. I've tried them all. The experience is so much better than Slack. Slack is frustrating in so many ways to me, and it actually limits us in so many ways. There's just, there's basically no features that help community folks out whole. You know, anything we do is rigged up uh, through Zapier or whatever, you know, but like I, it doesn't give me any, any help at all, but everybody already has it on their desktop and phone. Everybody's already using it every day. And I think that quite a bit of the engagement we get is a result of the proximity of Superpath to whatever other conversations these people are having. Circle, I'm, I'm very intrigued by a tool like Circle, but I just fear that we would lose so many people in the process that it's not worth it. So I think we're, we're married to Slack kind of for better or worse. Yeah, it certainly seems a little bit easier to just, if you're going to respond to something, just zip over. Whereas with Circle, you almost get this feeling of like, I better write something longer form. Totally. It just it feel, feels very content heavy, which good thing and bad thing, I yeah. guess. We, I will say we um, need Podia for our paid membership. So like the folks who are getting access to courses and one-on-ones, like all that runs through Podia, which is similar to Circle. So there is, there is an element of that, but it's you know, 99% Slack. Certainly. Let's, let's open up your spreadsheet a second here in terms of metrics. If I'm opening up your Google sheet and looking at what metrics you actually care about, what are you tracking? And, and what are maybe some of the things that you leave out that might be considered a hot? Oh, take? interesting. You know, if I'm being, if I'm being hundred percent honest, QuickBooks is the only thing I really care about <laughs> because like I said, adding more people to the Slack community, which is a metric I kept very close track of for a long time has just proven to be like not necessarily an indicator of success or failure. And at this point, whether I do a ton of marketing or none, we still seem to add hundreds of people each month. So I sort of just let that be for now. Maybe we come back to that one day. I feel the exact same way with traffic. Like we've gotten between 20 and 20,000 and 25,000 page views every month for like two years. It's like whether I publish a lot of content or whether I don't, it just it still seems to be like right in that same ballpark, though I don't pay that much attention to it. Um, so revenue is the thing that I care most about. Like I said, like without the funding mechanism, none of this other stuff works anyway. So I do spend quite a bit of my time thinking about our different lines of business, you know, nurturing those, I, the sales stuff, the customer support stuff, all that. And then all of that is kind of, um, you know, the way that we have our accounting set up, I can track the different lines of revenue separately. So I constantly looking at like, how's our membership doing this month? Like how's our marketplace revenue doing this month? And those are the numbers I spend pretty much all of my time thinking about. Well, to wrap things up here, let's come full circle. You, you had mentioned kind of how you built this thing up initially with an MVP 
It kind of works. You double down on it. Natural flow. Um, if you if you had the opportunity to go back and speed this thing up three to four times faster, what what would it have taken? What what would you have changed to make it go faster? That's a great question. I think I would have done less. You know, like within six months of me working on this full time, we had four lines of business, and I think that was. It's not that it was overly ambitious. It was just it spread me too thin. And I think that if I were to go back, I would either go hardcore community and make it paid and build out a paid community, forget about the forget about driving hundreds of users to it. Like try to make the single best paid community experience that I possibly could. Or I would have gone the other direction and built out more like a more like a media style business where it was really all about content. We're going to attract as many eyeballs for that content as possible and then monetize through partnerships and sponsorships and things like that. I think the marketplace thing that we have going could have fit into either of those models because the, the, we don't need that many uh, content marketers on the supply side to make the whole thing work. So it kind of could have fit in either way. But I think I just would have focused more, not spread myself out so much and just spent a little bit more time like uh, validating some of the ideas that I had rather than just you know, launching them. And then, you know, they've been out there for years now. Like there's some that um, uh, I think I would have probably been better served to do a little bit more testing and thinking about before I can invest the time to actually build stuff. 